Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. We've got a very exciting guest on this evening. Uh, I'm sure that you already know because you clicked on the episode, but this is Tony Merkel from the Confessionals Podcast. And uh, Hammer Lane Legends is another one that he's got, which is uh, very interesting stuff that he's doing over there, too. And something I'm very excited about personally is his um, Rage Against Dystopia. That's going to be a new show of his. And we cover the topic of censorship. It's something that a lot of us are concerned about. You know, uh, all kinds of angles that you can take on this topic. Um, Brandon, what do you think of this episode, man? I had a ton of fun. Well, normally I would say it was great, but I don't want to offend anyone who's not feeling great. Uh, also, point of personal uh, privilege. True. I, uh, I I want to apologize for anyone who feels that my usage of the word great was anything less than acceptable. Uh, this is a this is a learning process. But thankfully, uh, Tony was a was a real jam to talk to, man. Um, just a, a treasure trove full of knowledge here, uh, as, as we say, with some of our our favorite guests that we have on. He's also offered off offered us uh, off air uh, a whole bunch of help. You can tell he's a good guy. His heart's in the right place. It was fun, man. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. You can just tell he's got. Uh, nothing but but pure intentions. Uh, so, you know, this was a fun thing for us to get into. Um, as I was listening to it, I realized I, I muffed up a couple things here. Um, just so to clear the record, Blue and On. Um, I don't know if I explained that well enough in the heat of the moment, but Blue and On is basically the left's version of QAnon. These are the people that are saying like the troops in D.C. are to uh, protect from QAnon. Um, the people that are really advocating the Russia collusion stuff in the 2016 election. This is what Blue and On is. I don't think I explained that well enough. So I wanted to clear that up. And then Medellin, I know, is a city in Colombia. I said it was a country. Uh, but, you know, we've all seen the movie Blow with Johnny Depp. Uh, we know where Medellin is. Um, but when you're talking to one of your podcasting idols, sometimes you, uh, you make little mistakes like that. I'd like to see you guys try and talk as much as I did in this episode without making one mistake, okay? Um, with that being said, guys, we're doing something a little different from here on out. Uh, a lot of our episodes go very long, and we actually cut out a lot of content. And instead of doing that, what we're going to do is we're going to give you the uh, extended version of the full podcast on our Patreon tier. That's only $3. It's really a fantastic way to support us, man, because, you know, Patreon, a lot of people are doing it. But, um, you know, the stuff that we do takes some time. You know, Brandon spends a lot of time editing. He had just put a lot of time uh, up in the front of this whole thing, just learning how to do it. Um, you know, hours and hours of research going to each episode, believe it or not. 
And, um, you know, it's just a, there's a, there's a little uh, a curve there for us. So we, we really appreciate any support. If you get in and you don't like it, it's very easy to cancel. Um, but again, $3, you can hear the whole, whole episode. Um, so anything that is over an hour from here on out, we're not going to cut it out. We're just going to leave it in, but it's going to be in the Patreon. And we usually start cooking with some serious fire towards the end of our conversations here. So, um, Great, great episode with Tony. Hope that you guys enjoy it. This is, again, about censorship. Um, a little bit of a long intro when we get in. But this is just Tony kind of plugging his new projects. Uh, so, you know, make sure that you tune into it and uh, you listen to the whole thing, because this is really, honestly, one of my favorite episodes. My previous favorite episode was the Red Pilling for Dummies. Uh, but this is definitely my new favorite one here, man. So I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I did. It was a blast recording. And uh, check out Tony's podcast, man. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the Dangerous World Podcast. We've got a great guest who's starting to really get more and more into the geopolitical affairs that are going on. All the crazy conspiracy theories that are not uh, like paranormal related, like the show Confessionals, right? We're very much awaiting Rage Against Dystopia. But if you don't already know, guys, this is Tony Merkel. Very excited to have you on, Tony. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be here and uh, glad to be uh, dipping my toes into these waters. Uh, for a long time, I was doing the paranormal angle of things. And uh, I about episode 133, I think it was, I did a show called Censorship, uh, dealing with some of the iTunes, the signs of iTunes censorship back then mm -hmm. with my show and other people's shows. And uh, at back then, I decided that I needed to start putting a game plan into place for when it really blows off. And um, now's the time. And so I figured we're going to start this other show and I'm going to start really diving into things. And um, you guys are the vets in this industry, man. I'm, I'm new. I'm new. Oh. So you know, it's, but, but, uh, I'm glad you're having me on. Uh, absolutely. Uh, thrilled to have you to have you here, man. Are you like the rest of America, though? Do you have, even though you haven't spoken about it, very, very strong beliefs on the First Amendment? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't want to say I'm like rest of America because I, <laughs> I pretty much detest uh, most of what's going on. But yeah, I have strong beliefs on just um, the human the human rights side of things when it comes to freedom of speech. Like I hear people say like things with the, the Constitution, like it's a living, breathing document. I don't know what that freaking means, but it yeah. doesn't seem very scientific to me. OK, I, 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 I just I just. I hate when people say that it's a document that has a lot of good <laughs> ideas in it. And when it comes to the First Amendment, I strongly agree that as human beings, we should have the right to freely express ourselves. And if we're sure. not if we're not trying to harm anybody and, and take anybody out physically or something like that, I mean, go just just speak your mind, have free Definitely. thought, you know, and uh, we, we've seen this happen throughout history. You know, we've seen this happen throughout history. And, and one of the things that I was thinking about uh, actually, just the other day is uh, the fall of the Roman Empire. I, I wonder if censorship actually had a role in that fall. Like, I know sure there's did. a lot of things that happened to for that to happen. But I know there's a lot of political things that imploded the empire. And I wonder if like censorship was like an underlying issue that helped facilitate that. But I, I just don't see any good out of it. I just don't. Yeah, there were they I think they did set up the uh, the House of Censorship. Um, you know, so it, it uh, must have had something to do with it, dude. Um, but 
Let's get uh, your social media stuff out. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, man. Right when I got here, we had a disaster. I dropped my charger on my Truly can and poked the hole in it, and it started spraying. It was just a mess right when I got here. So we were delayed a little bit with the start time. So I appreciate you just being so chill about that. But let's plug oh. your social medias right up front. You know, everyone's attention span these days is very short because of TikTok and all these things. Um, but uh, yeah, throw that at us real quick before we roll into censorship. Talk about short intention span. That's me for sure. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so social media, I guess uh, Facebook for now. I mean, I, I, and I don't really like Facebook. I don't really go on it. Um, but we do have a Facebook page, the confessionals. We have Instagram, which is the one I'm only really active on personally. Uh, we have Twitter, you know, all that stuff. I was just talking to my wife actually before I came down here to talk to you guys. Um, cause I'm about to interview a guy tonight. That's, uh, he's just like, over 200,000 followers on TikTok, and uh, he has ghost stories he wants to share with me. And I said to my wife, you know, I looked at his his TikTok, and he has um, a lot of videos, and you know, 5,000 views here, you know, 1,000 views there, but his ghost story videos, 25,000, 30,000, and I'm like, huh, maybe I should start taking clips from my show and formatting them for TikTok, yeah. and the younger crowd listening. Now, do I want to dip my toes in the communist uh, app? Well, we're using Zoom right now, so it is sure. what it is. So, sure. <laughs> uh, I agree, but- dude. Yeah, TikTok is either for like uh, girls shaking their asses or it's for like cool, quick, little fun stories. So, I mean, you can fit in there. Just, you know, find your lane and, and you know, obviously you can you can definitely make it work. I got confidence in what, you. One, one of those lanes is better for you, though. I'll, I'll tell you yeah, that. Absolutely. You so, of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, <laughs> or you can do both. so if if that's the case then what i'll do is i'll format the videos and i'm sending them to my wife to post on tiktok you know so i don't need any problems in my life so (laughs) i hear um, you dude so so we are i mean we are i'm sorry let me just finish up here real quick uh we are starting another show rage against dystopia and that was like what's is is literally the birth child of what we're going to be talking about i guess today um and it's basically a show where I'm still trying to envision the direction of it. Uh, it started out as an Instagram page where I had zero followers. I was just using it as a dumping ground for things that I saw that I wanted to remember and refer back to. And then I opened it up to the public. And uh, then I was like, well, maybe we'll start it as a show now because of what's going on. And uh, it's now going to be airing only on Fringe FM. Uh, that's an online radio station. They have an app and things like that. Uh, but it will be available there. And we do have that Instagram for that as well. So if anybody wants to check it out, it should be launching within the next week or so, I'd say. It's good, dude. You got some good videos on there, man. So uh, again, got to thank you for just hopping on this little show with us. Um, but without further ado, let's just get into this entire idea of censorship, man. It's it's really plagued human society since it's, um, you know, early civilization, I would say, um, you know, Greece. Uh, Rome, which you kind of mentioned a little bit, they they all kind of felt the burden of censorship, but it wasn't as crazy as it is now. And then there was mm-hmm. obviously some very, very interesting times, like during World War II, um, the Vietnam War, there was a lot of censorship. A lot of like the Western societies seem to acknowledge the fact that censorship was bad. Um, but there's this old quote that truth is the first victim in war. So war will always bring about new censorship and new ideas um, and, and the smothering of those ideas. But the media, who is oftentimes the mouthpiece of the government, 
um, not just in this country. I mean, Algeria, we'll get into this Algerian civil war a little later. But, uh, you know, there was like insurrection groups that were formed just to try to teach the, go- the, the government and the media a lesson. Um, so, you know, media either submits and they want to be the megaphone of the, the government and they want to push their propaganda onto the government and censor anything that the government doesn't agree with. Or what else would happen is that they just get, you know, completely obliterated and they, they are no longer uh, a, a media format. So, um, you know, we, we saw this in, in, you know, leading up to World War II, Germany, Spain, Italy, Portugal, uh, they fell under in- intense uh, fascist censorship. The USSR, same time, very, very strict censorship. And then the Allies had their own, like, kind of less obvious censorship where they were sort of whitewashing all of the Allies' bad deeds, right? Because in war, no one's really the good guy. It's just what side you're on. Um, and then they were demonizing the enemy at the same time. So that censorship is a little different. Um, but, I mean, it, right now, dude, we're starting to see some very interesting things being censored. You know, Dr. Seuss is a very liberal, uh, very studied, smart, intelligent dude. And, you know, he's... I don't understand why people are seeing the characters that he's putting out as racist. You know what I mean? It, it, when you start comparing... Uh, like a black person to a gorilla, that's kind of racist. You know, no, I, I don't think he was ever comparing, uh, you know, men to monkeys like that. You know what I mean? But then someone came along with a little uh, PC microscope and started saying he must be talking about black guys right here. You know what I mean? And to nice, me, it's just it's nice fascinating. That, yeah, it's nice that you can actually go ahead and attack the dead when they can't defend themselves. Yeah. You know? So like anybody who artistically draws uh, monkeys in an African setting, but it's cartoons. And so they give them human characteristics. All of a sudden it's black people being portrayed as monkeys and it's racist. Uh, we're, like, I would like to know if Dr. Seuss had that in mind. Uh, I have a feeling he would say probably not. I mean, maybe. Sure. I mean, he, he, he was what, born in like 1904 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he was like, I mean, so racism clearly was part of the culture back then. But uh when I when I saw that article and stuff, I looked at the pictures and I mean, I, I can see where you can look at it and say, oh, my gosh, that's racist. He's looking at, he's making it the whole, you know, making African men as monkeys. But if you want to look at it that way, when I looked at the picture, I just saw cartoon character monkeys in a very, very, very fictional book where he makes up <laughs> creatures like he, yeah. he literally makes up creatures like like. I, I never really read Dr. Seuss because I couldn't read half the words he was making up on the spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wasn't that smart as a kid. I'm still not that smart, but like, <laughs> you know, I just don't get it when I saw Cause like when I read the article, I was like, okay, so let me check this out. Cause I, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time with Dr. Seuss. My wife read tons of books. She still does, but she never liked Dr. Seuss. So neither one of us were completely familiar with it. When I looked at the pictures, I mean, I didn't read the book. You can't buy it anymore. Apparently like, I didn't see anything wrong with it unless there was a caption saying these African men, these, these monkey African men or something. Like, I I don't know if it said that, but the pictures themselves, I was just like, I I mean, can, can we just, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's, I think kind of trudge into this by making sure we're on the same ground here. My, my conception, my perception of this is that it is the estate of Dr. Seuss, who is, we can talk about whether this is true or not, but, self-censoring these books saying they're not going to be printed anymore 
what so that to me is is actually just fine we can talk about why that's 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 fine if if you guys want to but i'm more interested in is are you guys seeing any outside influencers like corrupt influencers sure. other something other than what i would call just the the uh the free market of ideas in uh, american society pushing them to do this because i i think this is actually a very capitalistic move but what's your guys's sense of what is what, what what's pushing the estate to self-censor if that's how you call it you know I, well i agree with you. I, I i think they're gonna make a lot of money off this <laughs> Dude, exactly I, I, yeah for sure um and so when I, well, I think it was a Bloomberg article, the one that I read talking about this and, you know, you're absolutely right. It, it was self-censorship because it was a family that I guess they started Dr. Seuss Enterprise and they're the ones that chose to take it off the market. Now, I just heard today, I forget what show I was listening to, but they, they said that the initial investigation that Dr. Seuss Enterprise launched with this was because of criticism of racism in the, in the books and stuff. Um, I don't know if that's true. That's just something that I heard somebody else say. But what I can say is that what you said, Brandon, is absolutely true. It was an absolute um, self-censorship where they chose to take it off after they did a whole analyzation where they had specialists of like uh, school teachers and literary people coming together to look at the books and say, is there anything offensive in here? Um, I think that personally the way i view it is that they're they were trying to beat everybody to the gun so instead of waiting for somebody to find the outrage to uh, to make a big deal out of it and then you get canceled you cancel yourself and now you're the victor in the situation because now you're the hero because you chose to right your wrongs before somebody even got a chance to call you out on it and yeah. uh and that that right there is going to make them a lot of money because there's gonna be a lot of people buying up Dr. Seuss books, whether it's ones that are going for $20,000 now, or it's ones that are just, you know, still on their market that people are just going to start buying up because who thinks about Dr. Seuss and all of a sudden on his birthday, bang. Yeah. A lot of white supremacists buying up $20,000 Dr. Seuss books. I'd love to see that. dude. These guys with their red laces. I, I want someone to make Bernstein bears uh, racist because I, my mother and my father have literally like scores of freaking Bernstein bear books. And it's kind of sexist if you think about it. So I'm floating the idea that this will get become racist so that we can make some serious cash or make the dangerous world podcast racist. Let's, let's get some cash out of this thing. You know what I mean? I, I can tell you like, so like when I say my wife reads a lot before we had kids, she read at least a hundred books a year. She reads a lot. Yeah. And she she's really big into kids books. She always had kids kids books before we even had kids. When I read this article, I was like, babe, like I was like, <laughs> I was ready. And then she's like, I don't have any. I hate Dr. Seuss. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my well, gosh. Dude, I was like, the... we're about to sell, we're about to sell out the house. All that, you know. Dude, I know, and it's crazy. It's like, how is how is like the uh like the the Asian portrayed character in Dr. Seuss not offensive or it is offensive, but then like the zug under the rug and like the, the clamp under the lamp and all these things that they make up. I mean, the dude's literally making words up, man. So you guys I read don't... that you guys read that one, the kike on the bike? I, don't know if you I haven't read that. that one, but I mean, like, hey, that's the liberal talk in there for you, okay? <laughs> um, but no, I mean <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, dude. I, I really want to get into this Nazi censorship. Um, but I mean, I guess probably we should start with like the divine right and and how. Yeah, of course. OK, uh, this is something that I that this weekend 
I'm in my basement and my son has his Amazon Prime on and it's on like that static screen where they just flip images. And there's this cartoon movie that came out by Disney. It's called Raya the Last Dragon. And the picture was this dragon and this 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 woman with the sword. And she she was she had like that Asian round hat on with a point to it, which caught my eye because of what you know everything's going on right now. And I'm looking at her and she looks Puerto Rican. And I'm like, how is that not cultural appropriation? Like, I, are we, like, how is that okay? And that's what made initially made me connect the dots from when I initially read the story that Dr. Seuss canceled themselves. And so now yeah. it, set, it sets that precedent where other people now can start following that suit of self-censorship and canceling yourself uh, before other people do it. And, you know. If it well, makes dude, you money, I guess. Did you see it. that clip of Chris Cuomo singing like Old Man River or something with Don Lemon? I've, I don't know what song it was, but like Don Lemon was like, why are you singing? Like, how do you know the, the words of this song? And Chris Cuomo goes, oh, you know, I'm black on the inside. And then they just keep singing. It's like, dude, if an Italian that was a Republican reporting for like Fox News or OAN or any of these other like right leaning. Like, how do you feel about Brandon, that, Brandon? Like some white dude saying that he is black on the inside does that bother you as a liberal uh not at all okay well it w- <laughs> if it was donald trump would that bother you uh a black yes per- no no no. i know no, <laughs> so- no i know no, no no if you're talking about the way that joe biden and andrew cuomo like throw around like i think they have too many this is no no <laughs> this is gonna sound bad allow me to defend myself they have too many black friends okay and they feel comfortable saying that like they've, oh, they've, dude. they've they've gotten their card that's a bad i know it's not my full defense of them and i don't think a lot of this stuff especially that andrew cuomo was doing is worthy of defense uh chris this- cuomo is who i was talking about but yeah andrew oh, cuomo was definitely andrew cuomo. but so okay. i mean oh, yes. like i guess if you have your black card you can also like molest women and stuff like that too which is what is going on in New York. And that, for the record, that is a distraction so that he doesn't get capital murder charges with what happened in, in the nursing homes in New York. Um, but, I mean, dude, there, there, there's a complete double standard. Go ahead, Tony. Well, I was just going to say that's an interesting thought. And based off of what Brandon just said and stuff, um, the, the whole black heart thing, like at one time, and I'm not, a, I'm definitely not a Trump apologist. Okay. I want to say that up front. Like, I mean, the first time he ran for president, I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote mm-hmm. for Hillary, but I didn't vote for Trump. Uh, the second time I did vote for him because I, he, he grew on me. Um, but uh, that said, I would never have Trump or somebody like Trump date my daughter. It wouldn't happen. I'm not allowing sure. it. Uh, but uh, before he ran for president, he would have that quote unquote black card. Then he was in rap songs. He was yeah. in the, 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 the quote unquote black culture of pop culture until he decided to run for president as a Republican. And all of a sudden, then he became racist. And, and so it, 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 it's really about what team are you batting for if you're allowed to do something? Um, and, and like when I was in when I was in college, when I was in college, I hung out with a lot of black guys. I would play basketball in the Philadelphia area. It was majority black guys. And I lived on the floor with a lot of them. And so uh, being part of that group and stuff, I felt like I was just one of the guys, not that like I was a black guy or anything. I just I was part of the group of guys. And I noticed that when I was outside that group, when I would go back home, because I'm from rural Pennsylvania and stuff, people would say that I act black. And, and, And I think it's a lot because of just the culture and the environment that I was constantly in. I became more, I guess, urbanized. And, yeah. uh, and so people would say that. And so 
uh, if you're hanging out with all these 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 black guys and you think you have a black card it's only good when you're in that environment when you're yeah. not in that environment it, it, you get you can you're screwed <laughs> if, if you Dude. think you're black you know what i mean <laughs> it, it'd be funny to see you as like a teenager with your pants sagging like and you're wearing like a gold oh, yeah. chain and like all kinds <laughs> like like you're like Malibu's yeah. Most Wanted. I don't know if you've seen that, but like that'd just be sick if that was you, dude. But yeah, no, I, was, I, 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 I do. I, to your point, Tony, I do see some like nasty just side taking on this. It's not to uh, flare up the argument because I know I know that you neither of you think that Trump uh, 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 walks on water here, but you can see the same a lot of the same kinds of defenses. Uh, towards tr- all of Trump's uh, sexual misconduct allegations as you can to Cuomo's. Can I talk it's, about one. What, what's yeah yeah go ahead i talk about one because nobody ever talks about this and uh i don't know if it's true it, it hasn't gone to court that's why like i just I'm, I'm sitting here just static with it i'd be happy to jump on it and say if it comes out and it's true and stuff he needs to go to jail uh but maria farmer she was one of one of epstein's first accusers back in the 90s and she w- was uh, on an interview with um the guy, he's an England bald guy. Um, uh, One of the princes, Charlie Robinson. Oh. Charlie Robinson show a lot uh, on YouTube. Um, Sean Atwood, and oh. she was doing an interview with Sean Atwood, and she was talking about how she she went to the FBI, she went to these people, and she said that like, how could you let this happen to me? She was talking to somebody within the authority, like, how could you let this happen to me, and my sister? She she and she referenced how. It involved uh, child sex trafficking and child pornography. And she said it involved Clinton and Trump. She yeah. said that about a year, yeah. year and a half ago. And like nobody said anything about it. Nobody talked about it. I thought like, when I saw that, I was like, that clip's going to go crazy. And nobody mm-hmm. talked about it. I was like, CNN, where are you? This is gold for you. And yeah. then like even like the, the supposed QAnon truthers, they wouldn't touch it for, for anything because Trump's their God. And they thought that it was Trump was Q. And yeah. so like nobody's touching this. And I was just yeah. like, so I yeah. put it on my Instagram and stuff. And, and, and I initially I put it on my my Twitter and I, I posted it on Twitter and I, I get people giving me eye rolls like, well, what do you mean? This is Maria Farmer. Like if she wasn't talking about Trump, you listen to what she has to say. She says Trump and you want to give me eye rolls like I'm just trying to dig up something. She said mm-hmm. it. I'm yeah. sorry. No, you know, the thing with that is very interesting because I've heard from, you know, uh, Whitney Webb, um, you know, I'm a big uh, Tim Dillon fan. He's had her on several times and she says, um, you know, she's done extensive research on Epstein and supposedly the families that really made Epstein very well connected was the Trump family and the Clinton family. And it's very interesting that those families ran against each other in the uh, 2016 election. Uh I don't know, though, man, you know, like you said, if Trump is this bad guy, why aren't they blasting that out everywhere? Right. Um, you, you, you spark something in my mind, you know, with the censorship, QAnon supporters are getting demonized. QAnon, QAnon podcasts are getting turned off on uh, Apple Podcasts. X-22 just came back recently uh, with like 56 episodes. I don't know if they won like a, a little lawsuit or if they just a- happened to do it. And for the record that I can't stand the QAnon group. I think that they are holding on to something that is just not there. Um, are they still holding on to it? Yeah, absolutely. Listen oh. to the latest episode of X-22. I haven't, but I tell you, he'll he'll definitely be telling you how uh, this is all part of the plan. Follow Trump it. is Batman. He's literally going to come back in the in the night and just take everything back. So it's very interesting. But 
there's this thing called Blue Anon. I don't know if you've heard of Blue Anon yet, but Blue Anon is literally it's it's QAnon, but it's pointing out all of the negative things about the the blue party, right? Like the Democrats and the the leftists and the the progressives. And they're not getting censored at all to the point where Urban Dictionary had to change its definition of Blue Anon. So there's this double standard going on where QAnon is getting kicked out of everything and Blue Anon is getting propped up. And Blue Anon is probably the same person because why, if QAnon is starting all of this crazy uh, insurrection and all of this all of this stuff that is wrong with the country is all because of QAnon and Trump, even though Trump was in government for four years. If that's the case, why don't we know who QAnon is? He's got to be... He's got to have some sort, or it or she, or whatever we want to be referring to these people as. They have to have some sort of IP address. They have to have some way where we can triangulate where, they, where they're at. So why don't we know who they are? I have a thought on that. And it's, so I, I didn't follow QAnon. I just listened to people who followed QAnon, and I would pick up bits and pieces over time. And... They, they one of the apparently the Q drops. I remember because people were like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh!" They said something like, "Wait until you find out who's talking to you," and everybody got really excited. And I'm like, "Well, that's a big red flag to me. That it's not your Trump. It's not General Flynn. It's not the you know all these guys you wanted to be. It's somebody that you would be caught off guard because they said, "Wait until you find out who's been talking to you. They know who you think they are." And now that we have a new administration, no Trump. You would think that if it was somebody on, on that side of the aisle or something, they would have been, boom, exposed, blown up, chastised. I wonder if this was a psyop from the beginning and it's something that's now being covered up and they're not having any plans of exposing it because then they'd be exposing themselves. Whether mm. I'm not saying it's Democrats, liberals kind of thing. I'm just saying maybe it's somebody you know flying under the, under the radar that is kind of like playing the game here. I just It's just a thought that I have. It, I have zero evidence of it though it's very interesting though dude like the only way that i'm going to be surprised at this point if it's like a caitlin jenner or someone like that like you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. i'm not it, to me it's just so i'm done with it i'm tired of talking about politics um unless it is you know in the in the whole censorship field because i do feel that there is a very active double standard and censorship did start off on the right you know technically speaking like back in the day the religious right was talking about all kinds of censorship. So, Brandon, like, let's get into like the whole Pope uh, and Vatican censorship that was uh, going on back in the days. Yeah, so we're, we're about to get into talking about how the state in its many forms has really been the the most effective and the most pushed back against in the censorship game for, for a long time here. So the, the first list of prohibited books in the Western world came from John Paul IV, Pope John Paul IV, excuse me, in the middle of the 16th century with his publication of the Index Librorum Prohibitorum. You know, I have to say it in Latin because I'm a romantic. Like the it. Index of Prohibited Books. Uh, reading at that time had, had just become a little bit more democratized, right? The Gutenberg Press had just been invented about a century prior. So um, even though books had been around this part of the world, you know, the Western world, for about 600 years by this time, books were becoming much cheaper and much more available. Um, also, by some estimates, almost a third of the male population in Europe was able to read by the time that the index was published. 
Uh, that was published around 1560, by the way. So it, it got it got reviewed and published multiple times per year for the next 400 years after that. And it wasn't annulled until 1966 by Pope John Paul VI. Um, now, if, if your name was listed in the index, it wasn't necessarily a death sentence right away. There was actually a sizable portion of the index that listed portions of specific books that needed to be changed in order for the church to sanction the written work in question. Uh, scientists and philosophers were the main focus of the index. And even if you're, even if you're, if if you're at all interested in either of those topics, you'll recognize some of the names that went on that shit list. So you got, you got Voltaire, Galileo, Hume, Kant, uh, the, the who's who of Western intellectualism. Again, this is all just happening under the uh, Catholic regime uh, in Europe. Most of it is, does have a lot of power rooted in the Catholic church, France and Germany by this time are already doing their own kind of governmental censorship. Dude with, with me, the, the world war two era was really the biggest, obviously. Right. So we can talk about like all the, the stuff from like Germany, um, you know, and then before that we have, like you mentioned, Rome, Greece, um, there was, there was, like this idea that everyone was going to support the censorship and everyone was going to get behind government. And it was widely admired. You know, these people that are, that are coming out there and they're talking about like, Hey, you know, the government is doing the right thing here by, by, you know, kind of shaping our morals and our ideals and our, our policies. But now we're starting to see more and more of this dude, where like the government is clearly not looking out for our good. Right. So to me, that's a big problem, Tony. I don't know if you got any thoughts up to this point, but I mean, dude, like the Nazi and the and the USSR stuff is insane to me. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny because like so I I don't know if the, what we're talking about with uh, the censorship is political. I, I, I don't view it as political. I view it as cultural. Um, it, it's something that is uh, beyond politics to me. Uh, and and you see in our culture, which is something that I just observe a lot, uh, you, you see in our culture over the last four years, the, the term Nazi has come up a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it, it's calling one set of person, you know, you're a Nazi for, you know, supporting Trump. You're a Nazi for this, that and the other. But when you actually look at who the Nazis truly were and stuff, and when it comes to censorship, everything seems to be coming back around full circle where uh, it, it's it's and I'm, I'm drawing a blank as to what this um, was it rules for radicals where like yeah. basically it's like what what you are doing you accuse your opponent Saul, of doing Saul Alinsky wrote rules for radicals yeah thank you so like I mean it, it's it's that concept that I'm seeing unfold right now and yeah. so it, it's it's like you're a Nazi but in all reaction actuality we're doing things that Nazis did which yeah. is the censorship and things like that and that's and and, and personally I, I feel like that's on both sides and again that's why i feel like this isn't isn't political per se as far as um you know one particular party or something like that this is happening on both sides it's a cultural thing where the minds of our culture have been adjusted over the last 20 years and it's it's allowing the the new generations coming up to accept certain things that former generations understood the dangers of and so now there's people like us who see these issues and we're, we're left trying to fight an uphill battle because we're actually going against establishment where it has a bunch of people who, you know, we would call, you know, quote unquote, sheeple just following the narrative 
and thinking it's okay to cancel people and censor people because of their thoughts. Uh, mm -hmm. Like when you, when you, when you muzzle somebody from speaking what they think, like that's the first step. Maybe it's not the first step, but it's absolutely a step in the process of brainwashing the mass culture and society you live in. Because if people can't actually speak what they think, the thoughts that are rattling around their head eventually stop. Because if you can't have that outlet, those thoughts eventually stop. And when those thoughts eventually stop, I strongly believe it leaves an empty hole in your brain for other propaganda to filter in. And I think it just happens naturally. And that's how you slowly change and shift the culture and the, the mindset of a society. Not saying that one person goes through all those stages, but I think it's a generational thing. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it's, it's, for me, it's very scary. I mean, I got a three-year-old and a six-month-old and I'm thinking 20 years down the road, I'm going to have a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old. Like, what's the world going to be like for them? I'm, I'm very mm -hmm. concerned about that. And, yeah. uh, and that's, why, that's why I have such a strong motivation to dip my toes in these waters, like I said earlier, because I don't want to have that conversation 20 years from now with my kids. And they say, Dad, you you were a pretty popular guy back in the day. Not so much anymore. Nobody listens to you because you're old. But and like now you're in, in jail, day, <laughs> <laughs> right? With the freaking yeah, I mean, censorship, it's yeah. it's it's disgusting and scary, dude. Yeah, I, I just don't want to have to face my kids and say I didn't do enough. Like I I, I just want to try, and sure. and you know, I, do, do I think that I'm going to make a difference in the world? To be honest with you, no. I have a very bad attitude for the future. I don't like I have I do not have a good outlook on it. But at, at the same time, I don't think I'm going to lie down and just take it. I, I think knowing like this is all metaphorical imagery here, but knowing that I'm going to die in the process, I'd rather die trying than just say, OK, you know, I'm just going to bend over, let you give it to me and I'm done. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You, you did. You did echo some of my sentiments, though, man, that it is more of a culture war and less so for the state to deal with, because I think it's when the state gets into things. And we have a few more episodes that you're going to cover there, yeah, Ryan, too, that, that has to deal with that. But what is there a place for the state in this conversation? I mean, I believe that our differing Ryan and I's differing ideas on whether social media platforms are private or public. Uh, that our difference of opinion on that leads to our difference of opinion on how the state should then react to the type of censorship that's going on on those platforms because the First Amendment, I would argue, only applies to public institutions, right? It's, it starts, the, the, the First Amendment starts, uh, Congress shall make no laws abridging the right of, and then lists the five rights. One of them is, is uh, freedom of speech. Freedom of press is one too, which is very interesting because they, they are very much contradicting right now. Um, let, let me get a, 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 another example of contradiction here too. So, guess who? So, so who wrote the uh, the the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment? It's a combination of John Adams and uh, Thomas a, Jefferson. Quite a few letter, quite a few of the Virginia letters written by Thomas Jefferson. So, this guy James Callender, he's uh, writing in Scotland and in America. Uh, he's an author, a pamphleteer. And uh, he's got a couple other things ascribed, uh, ascribed to his name, but he's writing and is famous just after the revolution, the American Revolution, right? Um, he starts printing uh, stuff in his pamphlets that, for one, exposes uh, Alexander Hamilton's, uh, 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 what's it called when you're cheating on your wife? Like affair. 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 You've got um, him also exposing. See, that's how liberal he is. He doesn't even know what an affair is. He's such a good guy. You know what uh, I mean? You've got. You've got him. You've got him bringing out Thomas Jefferson for having this affair. I, I found it this time. Affair with this, <laughs> with a slave, and then he also calls uh, John Adams 
um, he pretty much compares him to a hermaphrodite, saying, saying he's not womanly enough to say anything with subtlety and not man enough to get anything done. Mm. Uh, and so he's, he's writing against these bigwigs who have written, l- literally written the right to free speech. And John Adams sends him to jail for one year for speaking out against specifically him. Furthermore, after he served his time, um, he uh, gets some critique from another author that says, uh, James Callender, you should uh, just drown yourself in your own sorrows behind that James River that was right behind his house. The author literally said just that. Guess what happens two years later? They find him dead, drowned in the James River behind his house, mm. allegedly on whiskey. But goddamn, if you were pissing people off that were founding nations, you know, uh, making uh, making redcoats redder on a daily basis, do you think they're not going to go that far to just secure their power, man? Like th- th- these are the people who gave us the First Amendment That's here, interesting. and they're the the, wow. the plutocrats that are that are willing to be so hypocritical there, you know. I like that. I guess yeah. we know where the uh, Clintons got their playbook from, huh? No kidding, dude. And like, <laughs> dude, since you bring up the Clintons, man, if you had 50 friends that committed suicide, I think that you would get investigated. OK, but for some reason, no, these no, people, they just they just know so many people. And that's why. I mean, if you that's knew what so Brandon many- says. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not exactly that's not all that's not all that's not all i would say but thank you for again echoing my my ridiculous sentiment Dang, sentiments tony, tony. <laughs> what side are you on here no, i was being sarcastic brandon <laughs> no i mean i like like you gotta think like all the people in the world that know a lot of people they got a really big list compared to them i mean yeah. seriously i mean I don't have any names on top of my head, but you got to think. I mean, if Bill there was Gates. a list, there was a list equivalent of like you would know about it. I mean, I'm sure there is, right? But I'm just saying, like, of all the celebrities that have that have so many connections, of all the the politicians that have so many connections. I mean, the Clintons aren't the first powerhouse in the in the, in the world, you know. Sure. Uh, you think that there would be just at least one other couple that would have a, a similar storyline. It's it's yeah. absolutely fabric uh, like not fabricated. Uh, well, maybe it is. But uh, the Kennedys are interesting. The Kennedys are interesting. Well, the they Kennedys got, are very interesting. All another, over America. another Democrat family. But, you know, and then like we got that. And then we got um, I, I think that Meghan Markle and, and Harry are, are going to be the, uh, you know, England branch of, you know, or, or I should say the American branch of the England uh, royal family. I don't think that it's any coincidence that this first like mixed race chick gets involved with the family and there's all this chaos going on. I saw a video of her pregnant belly falling down to the bottom of her dress. So the idea that I have is that she's not even pregnant. I can send you this, Tony. It's fascinating that she's not even pregnant and they're going to use this as a sacrifice, kind of like Chrissy Teigen did because they're doing a lot of demonic stuff. Now we're getting into satanic sacrifices and stuff. We're getting way off censorship, but go ahead, Tony, and then I want to get back to the Nazis. So first of all, I got to say, didn't even know she was black, okay? I like like, Somebody told me she's 12% black. Is that true? Uh, I mean, to me, she looks more uh, Indian or Asian. She kind of looks like a Kamala type. Okay. All right. So I, I have no idea, but I, I like I never really looked at her very closely until recently when this all started happening. But I was like, I, I didn't ever assume that she was black. I mean, I'm half Puerto Rican. My son is Puerto Rican. And so my yeah. son possibly might have more Puerto Rican in him than Marco has black in her. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, 
when, when you brought the satanic sacrifice up, dude, I literally, I didn't get a chance to read the article. I just came across it today that, uh, that there is, um, dang it, man. I wish I knew you were going to say that I would have been prepared. Shoot. <laughs> hey, man, um, let's so, riff. so there's an article here for, in the Washington times, Satanists sue for religious right to ritual abortions. That's in the, that's in the Washington times. Dude, wait, wait, like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Repeat that one more I, time. I'm sorry. I'm not kidding. You. I, I, like I said, I didn't get a chance to read this yet. I, 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 sure. It was in my plans until you decided to bring me on your show. No, I was kidding. But, uh, <laughs> I know, my bad. WashingtonTimes.com. The title of this article is Satanists Sue for Religious Right to Ritual Abortions. Wow. So they're I'm, admitting. I didn't, I didn't get the, are we talking so maybe, like third trimester abortions and stuff too? Because that's what I find so fascinating. Like, how can someone fight for abortions at any time? You know what I mean? Like that. That's dude. That's crazy, well. I mean, it, listen. If it becomes normalized in the society, I'm going to start fighting for the right to, you know, for just, sure. You know, I, I want to murder some people. You know, so like, you know, yeah. It should be within my right. I mean, it, listen. If that baby we need a is purge. born, we need a purge. I, I mean. Like we we, t- we talked about, I mean, I think we talked about it on that live video the, that we did on Instagram. Um, the the Virginia governor talking about yeah. postpartum abortion. Like, I mean, dude, yeah. I, like, dude, really? Like, I mean, look how far like they keep moving the goalposts, and that's the, my problem here is they like yeah. look how far we have come. Like, look it's how far get we to have the come point- from the original. It's gonna. Sorry to interrupt you, Tony, but it's gonna get to the point where, like, if your son is twelve years old and he's kind of a dick, you can just kill him because he's like, ah, he's not gonna do anything. You know what I mean? So it's just getting to the point, like you said, moving the goalposts. Where and, and that you you better bet that that'll be censored. You know what I mean? Like they're not gonna be talking about how uh, no, this family just realized that they'd rather like go on cruises every year than uh, pay than than save up a fund for their their son or daughters. Uh, tuition, you know what I mean? So, it, dude, it's scary, man. And, you know, trying to bring this back to censorship a little bit with the Nazi stuff that was going on, dude, like this guy, this German author, Heinrich Hein, he actually straight up says, dude, that like burning books will end in burning humans. And he was right. You know, they were doing this in 1933 when this whole thing was going down. And then uh, in, in 1944, Goebbels burned like 20,000 different offensive books. And the books, as far as like offensive goes, it was anything against the Nazi regime. So we're seeing that right now. And anyone that doesn't realize that has their head so far up their ass or they're on that side. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know if if. You know, I'm not sitting here saying that we need to drone strike these people like they say on NBC. You know, NBC anchors are saying we need to drone strike Trump supporters because we would drone strike terrorists overseas. They've drone striked American citizens overseas. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that we need to do that, but there needs to be some sort of like, hey, man, you might not agree with what these people are saying, but you need to have an open debate. And that's why I think. The government, and I don't want to necessarily make this a left versus right thing, even though I've mentioned the double standard several times. I think that there is some sort of agenda to prop up socialism. And I don't think it's democratic socialism like you and and, and your friends like to say, Brandon. I think that to me, it's socialism branded as democrat socialism so that people are like, well, I like, I like uh, democracy and, 
You know, it, there was a survey that came out a couple years ago saying that most young kids think that socialism has something to do with social media. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, I like democracy. I like social media. Let's let's give de- democratic socialism a try and let's see how that goes. Um, it's getting to the point where it's scary, dude, where, you know, these kids that are so indoctrinated are getting to the point where they're actually getting jobs. And they hear for the first time when they're entering the workforce, I'd love to make $15 over $10. That sounds great. That's a 50% increase over what I get. Even though, uh, you know, they don't realize that like they can't work for a small company. They can't work for anything. This is why like Amazon is super down for that because what they're going to do is get rid of the uh, health benefits and they're going to get rid. They're going to make up for that money somehow because these publicly traded companies, they're not going to allow their bottom line to diminish quarter over quarter. They have to have profits and we're getting to the point where even the stock market, where are we going with this conversation? But even with the stock market, it is going to freaking fall, dude. The, the entire society that we have built is going to fall. And I've only been a part of the society, realistically, for about 10 years. I've been a leech up until that point. Because let's face it, kids, they're, they're, they're leeching off their parents. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they're trying to make it so that you need to get rid of these leeches, right? Because those leeches at one point, they're going to turn into something that is going to benefit those those people. Like, you know, when, when someone has a child and then they get old, the, the child takes care of that parent. So it's the other way around, right? Everything flips upside down. You know what I'm saying? Like where where it's like the, the parents taking care of the kid for so long and then the kid starts taking care of the parent. And they become a mooch on society. The old the old people do. This is why I think COVID came about. And, and you know, maybe that's not like necessarily what you what you think, Tony. But obviously, um, old people they reach a point where they're not contributing anymore. But that doesn't mean they need to be exterminated with a fake pandemic. You know what I mean? Like we need to actually be able to support these people that supported us in generations before. So it, to me, dude, like this is exactly it, it. The parallels between us and the Nazi regime are literally, I mean, dude, it, it, people that can't see this, it blows my mind, you know, and I don't necessarily articulate thoughts the best, but I, I do get them out there. And someone that's smarter than me can, can you know, you know, bring the thoughts, break the thoughts down and, and get them out to more people. Um, but I mean, dude. It, it, it's terrifying to me where we are going and the value of life has been completely wiped out. And I'm not saying it's through video games because this is a censorship episode. We're not talking about, you know, violent video games, not talking about uh, violent movies. Um, but it is interesting that in like places like France, they show like full Bush in, in movies and like, you know, all, all like the sex scenes, they show all that stuff, but they do not show violence they don't really show murder scenes in in authentic like french made movies unless it's cuties which was supposedly like a french director and and cuties is is perpetuating their agenda uh on another level but like dude how is that not censored but if someone wants to come out and make a, a a trump movie on netflix when netflix is like ran by susan rice now you know it's getting to the point where it's like dude how how is pedophilia okay but voting Republican isn't. You know what I mean? Like, what's worse? I'd rather live next to a Republican than a pedophile. Dude, but it's all about perspective. That's your perspective. And so when I you guess. live in a culture where everything is 
is polarized and they are propagating. We brought propaganda up a lot, but it, it's it propaganda really goes hand in hand with censorship. And they're propagating the minds of our generations. Uh, it, it's all about the perspective. How can you get people to perceive certain ideologies and issues? And so we, I, I've been talking about the normalization of, prop, or, uh, of pedophilia before I was even podcasting. Everybody said I was freaking crazy. 2014, 2013. You're crazy. You're crazy. I'm telling you guys, it's happening. And here we are. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's happening. I'm like, I've, I've been telling you this is where it's going. But like, it's all about the perspective. So like they, they, they can tr- if they can control your perspective, they can get what they want out of the agenda. And so like you were bringing and listen, honestly, dude, you, you said that you kind of re- referred to you running off course a little bit and stuff. This stuff <laughs> bleeds into other topics. Yeah. It, it just it just does. It, it's not it's not easily defined as this, that and this. And so like people like I, I could tell you're like me. My mind just goes. It, it just goes. And I find myself talking about basketball when I started out talking about censorship, you know, but yeah. uh, which we could go there, by the way, <laughs> no, kidding. little basketball <laughs> but, censorship, dude, there's some other so, things about about sports, too, that are very, very interesting. But yeah, oh, yeah. keep going with yeah. your thought. So going back to your, the, the Nazis and stuff, uh, part of their censorship was propaganda and it, it, they mixed the two. So they what they did was they issued everybody in Germany. Uh, and maybe more than Germany. I I, I forget where yeah. I read this story. I've been I've been trying to find this story for the longest time because I read it probably like a year or two ago. And recently I started talking about this and like, where is that freaking story? I can't find it. But um, they would issue people these radios. And one of the radio brands was Membra. And the Membra was a radio that people could have in their homes and they could listen to the radio. But the radios were programmed so that they would only get Nazi channels. So you would only get the Nazi propaganda. Mm. So they were censoring out any other viewpoints, any other options of understanding. They only wanted you to get what they wanted you to have. And I look at what the member of represented back in Nazi Germany. And that's where I come in with the idea of big tech and what they're doing. In a sense, they're, they're only allowing you to see what they want you to see. Now, sure, you can find Daily Mail on, on, on I guess, fa- Facebook. I'm sure you can find on Facebook, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't check. But like, it, it's, it's this, this idea of this algorithmic push where they filter out certain things or maybe, or maybe not even filter out, but they filter certain things to you. So it furthers this divide. And that's why yeah. I, I feel like Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram is the same thing. Like the, these companies, YouTube, Google, that I, I think they're very nefarious. And I, I think that they I think that they want this divide. I do think that they work operate together. We've seen the 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 well, I'll call it a hit job they did on Parlor. That was mm-hmm. organized. We, we I, I don't know how you can say it wasn't organized. We saw also the same thing happen with Alex Jones two years ago. That was an organized attack amongst the big tech companies. And so I think what they're, they're doing, not necessarily trying to steer you away from the Daily Wire, which is conservative, or I, I don't know what other publication, Dan Bongino, I know he's conservative, right? Yeah. Um, but I think what they're doing is they're trying to steer you and filter you down into the hole that you desire on both sides to further this divide. Sure. So that if, if you're only getting the information that you kind of lean towards and they keep steering you further and further and further away from any kind of other viewpoint, when you come across that other viewpoint, 
the natural reaction is, and they set it up this way through manipulation to shout the other down. The, yeah. the bigger this divide happens, the easier it is going to be able to, to for this entire country to implode on itself. And we're seeing it now. Uh, like, I mean, do are we seeing the, the fall of Rome right now in America? Sure. I mean, I, I definitely think so, dude. Brandon mentioned something earlier about uh, a cultural divide. Culture is 110% contrived. You know, people think that, you know, no, like this group of people just likes this stuff. No, the government tells them that they like stuff. You know what I mean? Like in every single way. Like, and, and people that, that don't realize that, it blows my mind just because you can you can see if you go back through history you can see this repeat itself over and over again where it's like you know in in, in other countries they say that americans eat hamburgers for breakfast lunch and dinner you know uh there are breakfast burgers at like carl's jr and stuff but it's not like that's not the way that it is dude so there that's like that's a very broad scale of making other countries think that we operate in one way and we're all the same right this is sort of, you know, throwing it back to Dr. Seuss when he makes this like uh, this this sketch of a dude or or whatever it was in a Asian pointy hat. That's like, OK, all Americans see Asians as little creatures walking around in pointy hats. That's not the case at all. You know what I mean? So I, to me, it, it's just it's a very dangerous road that we're going down. It's scary. And I think that, you know, kind of throwing it back to like, you know, getting into the Nazis and all that stuff with. Uh, the the issue that was going on during the same time between you know leading up to the World War Two uh, situation, Holodomor. Uh, Did you hear about this whole thing where it's like, um, you know, between 1932 and 1933 there was this great famine uh, in Soviet occupied Ukraine. So you know there's all these areas, but in Ukraine uh, they were denied all kinds of like relief, something like. Uh, 400,000 grains of food was was denied to these people. They weren't allowed to leave. Uh, it was literally like 3.5 million people died of this uh, constructed famine. And this was like under Stalin, you know, in the USSR. And at this point, like today, um, it's considered a genocide by 16 countries, crime against humanity by five countries, and a criminal act of Stalin's regime by six countries. And literally, dude, there were people at the time, including, uh, what's his name, Walter Durante, who's a British journalist, uh, Stalin sympathizer. He was counting on Stalin to succeed. And he literally has a Pulitzer Prize that has not been revoked yet. When 3.5 million people died in Ukraine, um, and he was just saying that the whole thing was was 100% organic. There wasn't anyone that was fighting, uh, you know, anything against this because any of the ideas he was actually like tasked with filtering out negative information about Holodomor. And it, and it's it's really sad, dude, because, again, this guy has a Pulitzer Prize. It came into question in the 90s and they said, well, there's no proof. There's no proof that he was trying to legitimately downplay this genocide. But. I mean, it happened, and he was absolutely uh, a proponent of it. And then you also have George Bernard Shaw and Louis Fisher that were, you know, basically kind of smothering evidence that was coming out that was negative against Stalin and what was going on, man. The estimates, though, like it's between three and 12 million people 
that died of starvation during this time. Uh, but the most accurate is like 3.5, 3.5 million. So it's just tragic, dude. And this is something that a lot of people don't know about. And to me, that's tragic. We talk about the Holocaust, right? Six million plus people died during the Holocaust. This was an event in Ukraine that was literally half that amount of people. You know, three million people is a lot of freaking people to starve to death. You know what I mean? And again, they were offered aid. They were offered all kinds of things. But, uh, you know, this dude that won a Pulitzer Prize, uh, Walter Durante, British journalist, you know, he's a freaking award winner now just because he was on that side. He helped perpetuate this entire thing and he kept it under wraps so that no one went in there and rescued these people, man. And again, I can't emphasize how much 400,000 tons of grains were offered to these people. And Stalin turned it down so that they could all starve. You know what I mean? Disgusting. And this is this is censorship right here. This is what happens when things start getting censored and you're not able to have a discussion and have uh, the facts. You know, the facts are what's really important to having a healthy discussion, healthy argument. Me and my co-host here argue every freaking day about stuff. And I like to think that we have a decent show. If he was crumbling to to everything that I wanted, it probably wouldn't be as good. And if if it was vice versa, it wouldn't be as good either. You know what I mean? We have a healthy dialogue. We cuss each other out on air half the time. And then we shake hands at the end of the day. And people don't freaking know how to do that, man. Yeah, we did grow up as brothers. I wouldn't be able to stand this dude if we weren't related. But we are. And so we get along. You know what I mean? But I think that we're all related at the end of the day, dude. Like you, Tony, me, Brandon, we're all... Uh, you know, we're all humans, you know, why not just fucking get along, you know, excuse my language. I know you don't curse too much, Tony, but you know, why don't we get along and just, you know, realize that dude, there is something much darker at work. I don't know if they're lizard people. I don't know if they're demons. I don't know what's going on with the highest levels of government, but it's terrifying. And it seems that if someone was just dropped down and they had the same kind of consciousness level that humans do, they would come in and they would say, okay. What's going on here? They would think that aliens are taking over human society. Wear a mask? Why? Does it help with the virus? No. Okay, why are you wearing the mask? Do you have to get vaccines? Yeah. Does the vaccine make it so that other people don't have to wear masks? No. Okay, why? You know what I mean? But all that information gets censored. And it's to where you can't even have a discussion unless you're willing to get banned. And people that are making money off this stuff aren't able to have the true thoughts out there. I, dude, I, every time I see someone driving in a car alone with a mask, I automatically know that I would hate them if I had to have a conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then like people, when I see someone in a grocery store, that's not wearing a mask like myself, I automatically like them. Usually say hi to each other. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. The times that we're in, man. So, um, you know, you're talking a lot about the, the censorship there and, you know, I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Smith-Munt Act and how that yeah. was nullified in 2012. I, when I was talking about that, I, I probably started talking about that within my first year of podcasting. So that was about a five-year-old uh, thing that had happened. And even though it had happened and I had article proof of it, people were saying that it's just conspiracy, even though I, ha I had it right here. Like it, yeah. it, it was legit. And that is 
like like I said earlier, kind of rolls over into censorship. So you have the Smith Munt Act, which 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 prohibited propaganda on the American public, and that's nullified through the NDAA in 2012. So one, you're not going to have the mainstream media come out and tell you that they're allowed to lie to you now, but also because that the because it was nullified, they have in that in that motion in that movement that happened right there. They became, if they weren't already, which they were, but they have became completely sold out tools for our government to use. And so now it's not only propaganda, but it's now. All right. So you got propaganda, feed them a line. But then you now you have because they're a tool of the government. Now it's withhold this information, steer the information in a different direction. And so I personally view and I brought this up a lot throughout my time doing this stuff like i personally view 2012 that nda adjustment i i i view it as a very dire moment in our in our country it really it really took the handcuffs off of the media and allowed them to lie to us and take orders from the government to lie to us or withhold information and when and you see it like right in front of you um i think it was chris cuomo i think it was chris cuomo when it came to the the the, Wiki, the wikileaks documents he was covering it on his broadcast and he said he he told his audience that they should not read these documents it's okay if he reads it it's safe because he's trained mm. and he understands how to read this stuff but it's not safe for the audience to read it and they shouldn't read it. they should just get the information from him he he said that and so that that's a that's a example of that. Yeah, dude, have you heard of the GIA, the uh, armed Islamic group in uh, Algeria during the civil war there? Mm, that's news. Because so this was in uh, back in 1993, uh, but this insurgency group formed uh, after a military coup led to uh, again the Algerian civil war, where their election was manipulated and the FIS. Uh, which is, you know, the Islamic Salvation Front was screwed out of a victory, kind of like what we're going through right now, where a lot of people feel that the election was stolen, right? But the GIA declared war on the Algerian press right away, and 58 editors and journalists were slaughtered over the following three years. So this is that entire idea where the media decides to either collapse or they want to be the megaphone and they want to submit to the government. But they literally executed 58 people over the following three years. And they wanted to send a message that the press should not be the mouthpiece for the government. And, you know, after this, there was a strict clamping down. The press didn't allow them to report, uh, you know, civilian murders. And what happened after this, dude, was it led to between, uh, you know, independent researchers say that it's between 80,000 and 100,000 civilians were slaughtered because they weren't allowed to report on civilian slaughters or civilian killings because they started killing high-profile journalists in Algeria. And, dude, I have this little, like, weird kind of, like, side thing that the Algerian government uh, literally, like, it was, like, infiltrated by the highest levels uh, they, or I should say they infiltrated the highest levels of the GIA to make it so that this group looked so barbaric so that they lost support. So the GIA, who was the Islamic group in Algeria, they looked like animals because they were killing hundreds, literally 100,000 100, people, you know? And, and this kind of like perpetuated the idea where like, 
Islamic extremism is the worst thing in the 90s. Um, but dude, like there's this guy, he's a secret service member uh, in Algeria that was the alleged real leader. And this is according to Yusuf Joseph, uh, who's a career secret agent. He claimed that the work was not that of Islamic extremists. It was this dude, uh, Mohammed Medayin, I think is how you, how you pronounce it. Um, not like the country, but uh, dude, like there's this high ranking Algerian government official uh, that's in the secret service there. And they were pinning all of this information on the GIA, the armed Islamic extremist group. And it realistically, it, it was most likely the government that was hiding behind the name. And the whole thing, the, 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 the cause is somewhat um, honorable trying to get media out of backing the government, right? This is like Project Mockingbird here in the U.S., things like that. But their actions, the way that they carried it out, is obviously not honorable. You don't just go and slaughter journalists by the by the dozens and then kill tons and tons of private citizens. But, I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that happens when censorship gets to be so over the top to where you cannot you cannot see it from two sides. You've got to focus on one angle and this is the right way and anyone that doesn't agree is a terrorist. It's a domestic terrorist, right? Trump supporters need to be put down like the dogs they are. And and you know, it's not just one person saying this. It's a lot of high-profile people. AOC has said that these sickle fans need to be put into or psychophants need to be put into uh, re-education camps. That's a high-profile freaking congresswoman. It's the Kardashian of politics. Brandon's smiling because he loves the idea of Republicans being put away. But I think that it's it to me it's fascinating that that any liberal who's supposed to be like a I love people, I love animals, but not these people. Let's kill them because they don't agree with us. They don't think there's fifty genders. They don't think you know all this crazy stuff. They think Dr. Seuss is is fine. He's not racist. Right. It's it's yeah. We're going you know, somewhere. Uh, talk about the re-education camps and stuff. And obviously that came out, you know, with AOC, but also the Project Veritas and that video of their the lawyer from PBS, one of their their top lawyers saying on video that he believes that um, it, I think this, this he said this before the election because he said it even if Biden wins, we need to uh, take the Republicans children and put them in re-education camps you know like like that that the whole talk of of re-education camps like that that's not even a new idea so like i don't know if you guys are familiar with the the terrorist group uh the weather underground from back in the vietnam era but uh it was a it was a pretty big threat to our national security and uh, from what I understand, uh, granted, I'm 35, so I didn't live back then. From what I understand, though, they went as far as bombing the Pentagon. Uh, mm. And I, I, ha- I feel like we don't hear about this a whole lot because of who started the Weather Underground, because the Weather Underground was started by Bill Ayers, who is a close buddy of Barack Obama's. Barack wow. Obama launched his Senate campaign in 1995 at Bill Ayers' house. And yet he doesn't know him very well. That's what he says. But like in 2001, uh, and I have a point for saying all this in 2001, uh, Bill Ayers was interviewed by the New York Times. And he said that he in 2001, now he's a professor, his wife's a professor, they're accepted in society, they're heroes. But um, he said that he felt like they didn't go far enough 
during with their efforts. Now, granted, I, I don't I didn't agree with everything that happened in the Vietnam War, but I, I don't think that we should have, you know, domestic terrorists either trying to blow up the Pentagon to prove political points. It, you sure. know, that that's, you know, it's, it's definitely not extreme. it's definitely far, far and beyond what we saw on January 6th. Right. Um, Maybe just but, pick it. Yeah. But um, so there's a guy named Alex Grathwall who was interviewed in, in 1982. And uh, he's an ex underground weatherman. Uh, and he said that he was in a meeting with um, the, the I think he said like the top 25 leaders of the weather underground. And in that meeting, they were talking about what they were going to do when they took over the United States government. And their whole thing was socialism and down with capitalism. And so they said, what are we going to do with all the capitalists, people who don't want to yield to this, this, our, our philosophy and our agenda. And their plan was to take the capitalists and put them in the Southwest part of this country into re-education camps. And Alice Grathwall said that either he brought it up or somebody else brought it up and, and asked, well, what if they refuse to be re-educated? And they said, we'll kill them. And mm -hmm. so like this whole idea of re-education and stuff is not new. It's been throughout history. And people that are lauded within our government ranks, I, granted, Bill Ayers wasn't really a politician, but he had very close ties there. Like he was on the side of killing people if they don't, if they refuse to be re-educated. And that's very concerning to me, knowing that there's all these different ties to people within our government. And then, you know, PBS, public broadcasting system, or is a system? Is that what it stands for? Public broadcasting something, right? Uh, like that that's that's paid for by tax dollars. And yeah. they have one of their top lawyers saying such things. So like, and they wonder why people who don't side with the far left have a problem with this. This isn't just a, a left versus right thing. This isn't a Republican versus Democrat thing. This is a far, far left thing. And anybody who's not far enough left is considered far right conservative. Yeah. That's why you have Tim Pool on YouTube, who he's a he's a classic liberal. I love the guy. Yeah. I love hearing his, his thoughts and he, love hearing his talks. And I don't agree with everything, but he is a very open minded individual. And the far left consider consider him a, a far right person. He's a classical liberal. And, and I just yeah. I, I just I'm very concerned about the direction that we're heading here, because if you start reading the tea leaves and you start seeing the repeats in history, what if they succeed? You know, the Weather Underground didn't succeed in that effort, but yeah. the, the the leadership still has a lot of pull and say in in this sure. country. You're talking and Barack I, Obama. Just... We're in his third term right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. right? And have so, you heard of I... Tim Pool, Brennan? The comedian? No, Tim Tim Pool. No, is that a? Uh... He's a centrist. He used to write for Vice. He's okay. a no. very known centrist. Um, but yeah. again, the the left calls him alt right. And it's because they they don't agree with him, you know, and it's it's terrifying. I know you got to wrap up here, Tony, but I did want to leave off on this idea of this uh, Samizdat uh, Press and Publishing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the entire idea. Um, kind of kicked off in the 40s from uh, it was like Germany and the USSR. And they saw a new wave, um, you know, back in the 40s, but they saw a new wave in the 80s, uh, you know, kind of when the Cold War was was reaching an end. But across the, uh, you know, socialist Eastern Bloc, many people would sort of uh, write hand copies 
of books that were censored. You know, these things would get burned, but someone would have like a Dr. Seuss book today and they would hand write it and hand draw the images and all this stuff. And there was a good amount of people that that were able to view the books. But out of, you know, in, in the USSR, which was, you know, masters of censorship, uh, 200,000 or so people were viewing these books and over uh, half of them were government officials and members of the military and high-ranking people, not just your average everyday citizen or peasant or Slav or whatever you want to call them. Um, but this is where that term double thought or double think, um, this is where that comes from. And this is what Orwell was talking about in 1984, where these people know, these, these high-ranking people know, absolutely know what's right and what's wrong, but they're told that you're not going to make money, you're not going to have food for your kids, you're not going to have food for yourself, you're not going to uh, progress as as a family if you don't support our, our ideas. But at the same time that they're hearing this, they're reading forbidden text and they're reading things that were underground, handwritten, printed. You know, the Gutenberg Press was already out, all this stuff was already in full force, but people were taking it upon themselves to rewrite history or to just write down real history. And these people were in this complete conundrum where they're like, okay, what am I going to do here? Am I going to forsake my people or am I going to forsake my family? Which is it going to be? You better believe all these freaking people chose to forsake the people, not their families, right? I would do the same if I was forced to be in that position, right? But I mean, there's a cost to that. This is where we are right now. This is the the problem with society where so many people are looking out for their family rather than the the mass population. And we're finding ourselves in this situation where, dude, you know, no healthy discussion is really allowed. You know, you get Fox and Friends going. They get one, li- one token liberal in there. And everyone's liberal. freaking... <laughs> yeah, dude, everyone's beating up on this liberal... And it's obvious what's going on. The liberal signed up for it. He knows what's going on. And vice versa. They'll do that on like the, the Bill Maher show and stuff where they get one token conservative and he's supposed to look like the asshole in the conversation. Vice, You know, it's there's no true healthy conversation. I just watched that freaking Oprah interview where, where they interviewed the, uh, the Antichrist family, like I was talking about with you earlier. That's not a real conversation. People think that that's a real conversation. I've never seen such good acting. From Meghan Markle and the the clone of Prince Harry. I've never seen such good acting. Okay? So this is the problem, guys, where healthy conversation, kind of like what Brandon, Tony, and I all just had right now. This is what you have to do. We don't agree on everything. Uh, you know, Tony, I know you and I, we, we tend to agree on more things. But Brandon doesn't. But we're not going to go lynch him. You know what I mean? Like, this is the problem where it's like, dude, there are people out there that want to do that. You know, if yes. you don't if you if you don't support Biden, which, you know, let's talk about Biden. Biden's dogs are biting people. He they're getting kicked out of the White House. Biden's biting Jill. Did you see that? Bi- <laughs> Joe Biden bit Jill. No, yeah, he bit he her during a campaign. It was this is an old video and they're like like dog like <laughs> like dog like president and freaking Joe Biden's biting people. He's sniffing people, you know, he's doing weird stuff. All right, everybody, that was the free portion of the conversation. If you'd like to show us a little extra love and hear the rest of what we were talking about, go over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You will get to see the rest of it. 
great, great stuff that we did over there. Tony was very generous with his time and gave us a lot to add in here. So I hope to see you all over there and enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs>